0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today, you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. We've been talking about what it means to believe God and the idea of what it means to struggle with unbelief and, and how do we do that? How do we navigate? that issue in our lives. We, we came out of the story where the man says to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We talked about what it means to believe God. We talked about when belief seems elusive. You know, you just can't really seem to nail it down. Then we talked last week about when belief comes hard because hard things happen in our lives and we're trying to make sense of it. And so I think it brings us to a fair question is, Does it ever get better? Does it ever get better or are we going to be struggling like this our whole lives? Well, I think just in one sense we would say that we're never going to be God and have his understanding. So in some sense, yeah, we're human. We're going to have a human experience our whole lives. But the answer is yes, we can grow in this area of our lives. Yes, we can learn to believe God and gain experience with God on those things that shifts the balance of, from the struggles to less of those kinds of struggles. Not that there won't be challenges, but they aren't the same kind of struggle. And I, I would say that I, when we say yes, you can grow, you can strengthen that belief muscle in your life. Um, you might picture it like this, that if, you, if we could chart This is a big graph here. Chart our growth in this area of believing God. Sometimes we have real fast areas of growth, and sometimes we have real fast downs and, and, you know, up and down. But I think it is realistic for us if we do what God says to have come from down here where we don't have much faith, we're struggling, we don't have answers, we don't know what to deal with, to find ourselves down the line somewhere up here. But I would say to you that this is not like, it doesn't chart like this. It charts like this, right? That's the way it charts. But yes, if we will do, the, 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 approach this issue the way God says we ought to, we can find, uh, we can make progress. Uh, doesn't mean we won't ever have, have any doubts. Doesn't mean there won't be questions or have answers. But we will be able to respond differently to them. And so that's what we want to look at today. How do we grow in this area of our lives? So take your Bibles and turn to the story that we started with, Mark chapter nine. It's uh, it's page 1163 in the Bible that's there in the chairs. As always, we encourage you to follow along with us in the Bible. Uh, We'll give you page numbers as they're needed. Page 1163, Mark chapter nine. You remember the story that this man, and we don't know uh, where the mother was or what's up with that, she doesn't show up anywhere in the story. But a man had a son who from the time he was little had been uh, possessed by an evil spirit and this evil spirit tried to destroy this child and you know, throw him in the fire, throw him in the water to drown him and this father had dealt with this you know, for a number of years, we don't know how long, but he had dealt with this and you know, I'm sure prayed to God and tried to figure it out and so he was always having to protect his son. And so he hears about Jesus and he brings his son to Jesus, though when he gets there, Jesus isn't there. Jesus is away doing something, but his disciples are there and the disciples say, well, we can handle this for you. And, and then they couldn't. They were not able to, to cast out this demon. And then Jesus comes. And so let's pick up in verse number 20 here in this story. It says, then they brought him to him. That's brought him, the young man, to him, Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. This evil spirit probably recognizes who Jesus is and doesn't want to let go of this boy. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him, But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Do you catch a sense of desperation here? Like, in maybe this father's mind, this is his last hope that something could happen. And so he says to Jesus, he doesn't really know who Jesus is. He doesn't understand he's the son of God at this point. He just heard that Jesus can help. And he says, if you can do anything. And Jesus' response to him is, Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. And to be honest with you, I don't think uh, Jesus was trying to put this on him and say, well, you don't have enough faith, right? The reason your son is like this is because you don't believe, you know, you don't have enough faith. That isn't what Jesus is doing. Jesus is responding to this man's sense of, well, if you can do anything, you know? And Jesus said, no, no, it's not if I can do anything, it's if you can believe that I can do anything. And I would say this to you Uh, It just, it became all of a sudden real clear to me during the first service while I was sharing this part of the sermon. I think this man did demonstrate belief. A lot of belief? No. A belief with no questions? No. But he, having struggled with all of this, came to Jesus. That is, he believed that there was hope here, right? A little bit. Was his faith a mess? Yeah, it was a mess. Did he probably not believe everything right? Yeah, I'm sure that he didn't, but he came to Jesus. And that, that's really gonna be important. We're gonna talk a little more about that in a minute. But anyway, so he says this to this man, and this man all of a sudden hears what he's hearing is, you know, your son is not healed because you really aren't believing enough and you say, well, I do believe it. So how does he answer? Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears. This was not just a conversation at this point. This was anguish from the soul of this man you know, deep down inside of him. He, he cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus Does free this young man. Um, We all get to these places in our lives from time to time. Sometimes they're not huge deals, you know. Sometimes they're really big deals. Lord, we do believe, but we're struggling with unbelief. How do we grow in this area of our lives? We've kind of talked about how we respond in those specific kinds of circumstances, but how do we grow? How do we make progress so that next time we are more about believing and less about unbelief? Well, I would say to you the first thing you've got to do is this. You have to choose to move toward God. Choose to move toward God. And, and here's what I'm talking about is that we, um, Find ourselves in these places, and and maybe we, you know, been trying to believe something. We, we've had some truth, and we tried to trust in it, and it hasn't seemed to work. And and our natural tendency, well, let's, just, let's just talk about it in relationships. If you're in a relationship with somebody, whether it's someone you're married to, someone you're friends with, or related to, or whatever, and and you are in this relationship, and all of a sudden the relationship doesn't go the way you expected it to, right? It doesn't. It seems like well, wait a minute, I'm not. What's our natural tendency? Well, I should, most of our natural tendencies. Most of our natural tendencies go, oh, okay, right? And just kind of step back from that. And what I'm saying to you is not only in relationships, but in our relationship with God, when we're going along here and all of a sudden we find ourselves struggling and, and our doubts are coming and unanswered questions, and with God he isn't responding the way we thought he would, we do not if we want to grow in this area of our life, we cannot step back. We must choose to move toward. We need to lean into him. Okay, I don't have the answers. Question, God, what's going on? And we move toward God in that. Sometimes the moving toward God, the biggest move toward God you may make is this, when you start to go, and you go, okay, no, I'm not gonna move away. That might be the extent of it. And other times we need to step toward. And sometimes maybe we need to run after But say, I just move toward God. I'm going to tell you something now that some of you probably have heard before from me. But this will serve you well for your whole Christian life. Whether you've been saved today or for 80 years. Direction is more important than location. Direction is more important than location. So if we could envision in this stage this chronological line of our Christian lives, and this is when we first come to Christ, right? And this is where we're taking steps of faith and growing And over here, we're thinking, wow, we're mature, we know, you know, so many things. And over here, you're thinking some places this perfect Christian, right, uh, all together. And we're trying to move down this line uh, to, toward God and growing in this. Our tendency is this to think, okay, I'm over here, I'm fairly newly saved, or maybe I'm not newly saved, but I'm newly growing, and I'm, man, I got these questions, and I I wanna do what God says, I struggle with believing him, right? And we think, wow, I'm nothing like that Christian over there, because this Christian over here has read through the Bible a dozen times, a lot of verses memorized, you know, involved in everything well-known, good reputation. Here's what I want to say to you, if you're over here in this picture, and in the middle of all your mess, you turn and step toward God, you're moving in the right direction. If you're over here and you have all this information, all this experience, all this kind of stuff, and you have made a decision to turn and walk your own way away from God, and you're not intending to necessarily leave, but you're headed in this direction instead of toward God, This person is in a much better circumstance because they're moving in the right direction than this person over here. And so we ought to be careful in our own lives when we're evaluating how we're doing that we don't look at our location and say, I'm okay. No, it's more important that we're moving in the right direction. And so if you find yourself struggling to believe God and, and, and difficulty you know, knowing the answers and how to understand this works and what you're supposed to do, that's okay. It's okay to be there. It's just not okay to stay there. And the way we don't stay there is we, we turn and move toward God. We'll talk more about what that means in a little bit. So we have to be moving toward God. Now, when we talked about what it means to believe God, we defined it as choosing to trust God to live according to what he says is truth, right? Um, and so we have these two ideas, big ideas, truth and trust, right? Truth is the way things really are. Or at least we're trying to figure out the way things really are. And then we choose to trust God to live according to this truth. So we have to have both of those. That's what it means to believe God. It can't just be belief. I mean, it can't be knowledge about the truth. It can't be just doing something. No, you have to have the truth and then make decision to trust God on that basis. That puts truth in a very important place, doesn't it? Because if you are believing things that aren't true, it's not going to work. So second thing you need to do if you want to grow your faith, become a truth junkie. Become a truth junkie. Now, junkie, we think, okay, that's an, a- an addict, right? A drug addict. And yes, it is. But it's also the definition of that it talks about someone who has this insatiable desire for something or a drive for something. Now, what I'm saying to you is that you need to begin to be that way about what God says is really true, okay? Jesus, in praying for us, as he got ready to leave the earth, he prayed to his father. He said, sanctify them, you and me, sanctify them through your truth or by your truth. And then he says, your word is truth, okay? So this right here, is where we are going to determine. When we're thinking about truth here, this is how we want to see truth. The things that we need to know. What does God say? How does, who, what is God like? How does God respond? What is he expecting from us? What are we like? What's our nature like? How do we grow? How do we interact with each other? What decisions are good decisions? What is so, I mean, this is the truth. And this is where we need to get it. So we need to... to Pursue this, to know this, to know what God has said. And not just the words, but what he means and what the desire of his heart is. And really cool things about the truth, the word of God being the truth. If you're over here struggling or anywhere, but you're struggling to, you know, to believe God. Paul said in Romans 10, he says that faith, the ability to believe God comes by hearing and hearing by the word, the word of God. And so when we take in the truth of the word of God and look at it, it will stir up faith. In us new faith, a renewed faith. It'll stir us up to believe. And then the Word goes beyond that. Peter talks about it nurturing us and nourishing us. He says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. And so this this faith that has been stirred up within you, you, you go after the truth and knowing the Word and listening to God in it, and it will nourish this faith and your ability to believe. Not only that, it will direct your faith, direct what you believe. How do you know what to pray for? This is an area where our faith gets challenged, isn't it, in prayer? How do I know what to pray for? I prayed for this and it didn't happen, or I, I, I didn't know how to pray, and we're trying to figure this out. Well, the Word of God is essential to being able to pray with great confidence. The Apostle John said this in his first letter. He says, and this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petition we desired of him. This is a promise for God to answer his prayer when the prayer is prayed according to what? His truth. What he said. Now, let's give you an example. We talked last week. Does God make Make the decisions he wants them to make No He's granted us free will And holds us accountable For making our own choices Therefore does God ever save anybody Against their will It's not a trick question No They have to do what They have to choose to believe Okay How do I know that Because of what God says All right? So now I have an unsaved person that I care about and I want to see them saved. And I want to pray according to God's will. It's nothing wrong with me asking, God, please, I want to see this person saved. Would you save them? But if I ask them, would you save them? Please save them. He says to me, I already told you I will. Isn't that true? He already says he'll save them. What do they have to do? They have to choose to believe. Okay. But then he tells me this. He says that the That the gospel is the power of God. There's power in the gospel to stir somebody's heart. And and that that can take root in someone's heart and and then they can respond and choose. And so I begin to pray to God and say, God, would you please work in this person's life for them to hear the gospel? You said you're not willing that anyone would perish. Please, would you get the gospel? And maybe it's me that needs to go. Maybe you will say, well, you do it. But I begin to pray about that and I pray for God to provide the opportunities and for this person to have a genuine opportunity to know Christ. Now I believe that that is praying according to his will, see, and I am confident that God will absolutely answer that question so that this person can choose to be saved. Will they choose to be saved? I don't know. But I know God wants them to and I want them to. And God will give him a genuine opportunity. But so it will guide us, not just in our prayers, but in how we choose to trust him. What he says he will do for us. I mean, he says that he will meet our needs, doesn't he? You know, don't worry about us. If you seek the kingdom of God first, I'll meet your basic needs in life. All right? Well, what you discover if you keep reading and thinking about it, and experience you start to realize that his idea of what our needs are and what our ideas of what our needs are aren't always the same. Have you noticed that? And Paul says, man, I've learned to do without. And the whole time I had to do without, God was meeting my needs, okay? So we learn this from God's Word. We must become truth junkies. We gotta know what's really true, and then that will enable us to believe God in a way that works, okay? All right, brings us to the third thing that you're gonna have to do. Do the next right thing. So what are you talking about? Well, this doesn't make much sense to me, but it's really simple. Almost everybody, you know, sometimes I'm struggling to believe God with this. and Almost always always we can ask, well, what are you not struggling with believing God about? How about this? Do you think God wants you to go to church to hear the word? Yeah. Okay, can you trust him about that and do it? Right? Here's what he says. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to do it. That's a small thing, really, isn't it? For most of the time, sometimes there's big emotional things going on, I know. But the idea is, trust him in that one small thing. What else, do you, what else can you trust him for? One small thing. Okay, well here's, present. do that. Keep doing it. See, the Apostle Paul um, uses a phrase to talk about this progression of faith in our life as Christians. And he says this, he talks about it being from faith to faith. And so we take a little step of faith. Okay, here's what God says and this, I'm gonna trust, do that. I, I, am now I'm here, I believe God. And then from this step of faith, I can now, oh, take this one, and take this one. And when I begin to lay this foundation that God can indeed be trusted. I can trust him. These small things, and yeah, these huge big things I don't know about yet, okay? That's all right, this is how God gets you there. We're talking about trying to grow, right? In your ability to trust God. Let's turn to Joshua chapter three. Sometimes, uh, I just want to see a progression here because sometimes it is big things that we're getting asked to do. But this, if we will be doing the next right thing, trusting God in the little things right along, we'll be able to respond differently to the big thing. All right, so Israel has been in the wilderness for 40 years. And now it's time for them to cross over into the promised land. And the problem is, is there's this big river in between them. The Jordan River. Now, if you've seen pictures of the Jordan, some places it doesn't look very big, but this time of year, when they were doing this, um, it was flood time, and the river would be flood stage. It would have been over its banks already. How many of you seen, you know, video of the floods down in Texas? You know, and the water's moving fast at places it normally isn't, and it's, it's dangerous. People can get killed. And so here they were a few million people are going to have to cross this river and the water is faster than it normally is and it is deeper. It's too deep now just to um, ford across, right? It, they, so how are they going to do this? Well, chapter 3, verse 6, page, um, what is page 247. says, Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Now, These priests, their job was to take care of all the things that were used in the worship of God, the tabernacle and the ark was the the central focus of this. They had ways that they covered it all up. And then they had these poles that they stuck through rings on the side. And their job was this, okay, here's what God wants you to do. Pick up the ark and put that on your shoulders. And then we want you to go get out in front of the people. That's one of those small steps, isn't it? Because they've done this a bunch of times. But they had trusted God. They had, here's what God says, and here's we're going to do it. And they had done that. Easy. They had done this many, many times. Now, let's continue to read. How is this going to work? So God is telling Joshua what to tell them. In verse number 8, God says, You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, then you shall stand in the Jordan. Go stand in the Jordan. Okay, that's, he hasn't told them that yet. (laughs) But that's what he's gonna tell them. When you get to the river, go into the river. Now we're starting to talk something a little bigger here. This is a river that is flooding. And you're gonna tell us to go stand in the river. Any questions? (laughs) Verse 11, Joshua is talking to the people. Now he says, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. Okay. I want you to go step into the water, and I'll stop the water then. Little thing now or big thing? (laughs) Huge thing now. Verse 14, so it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaretan. So the waters that went down into the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea failed and were cut off and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. This is a huge thing. But I want you to see was what, really going on here. Pick up the ark. Carry the ark. Okay, so we're carrying the ark. We've done this before. We've learned. We've done the next right thing, haven't we? We've chosen to trust God in this and do this. Now he says, get in front of the people. Okay, we can do that. We're taking these steps of faith. And now he says, when you get to the water, get to the river's edge, do what? Step into it. Okay. Okay. Um and you're telling us to go stand in the middle of the river, is that right? Okay. How long can you hold your breath? This is a big thing he was asking them to do. And did, as they get closer, the river still runs, right? They get closer, the river's still running. And the closer they get, the more, the faster they can see it going, and the, and the bigger it looks. And it wasn't until the priest did what? They stepped in, and as soon as their foot hit the water. It wasn't even like laying it over the top. As soon as it hit the water, boom, God stops the water. The rest of the water runs down and they get to walk out in the middle and stand there in the middle, dry ground. This is miracle stuff, isn't it? But I want you to see, they never would have got to the miracle stuff had they not picked up the ark, taken this step and this step and this step and, and finally just that one last step into the water. And so it's those little steps of faith that you can take. In other words, what I don't want you to do is look down the line and say, there's a big thing coming. I don't know how I can do it, so I'm not going to do any of it. Don't do that. No, take the little steps. What can you believe God in? Go ahead and trust him in it. And because as big a deal as this was, I want you to see for these priests, it was what? Only one more little step from here. There's a long ways from over there. and I'm not going to take the time to read it, what they do is they pick up 12 stones from the middle of the river and they take it out on the other side and they set up a memorial so that it says, when your kids someday ask you, what are these rocks about? Oh, let me tell you what God did. And this is the same thing for us. What happens, we take the little steps that we we can trust God in. We believe in, we take those steps. All of a sudden, it brings us to a place where there's a big thing. And because we have made these small steps, we can Oh, we go ahead and try and we trust here. Something big happens and this experience becomes a memorial to us where we can, next time we find ourselves in a place having to choose God uh, to trust, we can do what? Wow, look, he, he did it here. I mean, there are things in my life that I went through hard things I never wanna go through again, but I tell you what, when i I know if some of those same kinds of things happened today, I wouldn't be nearly as worried. I'd be able to rest in the Lord a lot more because I've seen him do it before. But you'll never see him do it before unless you go ahead and take those little ones, little steps that you know how to take. And this can prepare you for the rest of your life, let me tell you. So I had my arm surgery, right? Six weeks, I mean, I injured six weeks ago, surgery four weeks ago. I got the brace off now. Uh, They said, be careful. But anyway, so they're giving me therapy and I said, "Okay, we're going to do some different things, and we're going to get, want to give you some weights. Do some exercise with the weights." Okay, cool. Now I'm I'm a man. It's been sixty years a man. Okay, uh, I'm think like a man, and this lady reaches over and gets me a weight and says, "Here," <laughs> and it had to be pink, of course. Right, and I'm to do exercises with this. Really? But the idea is yes, because I had not used this muscle for almost six weeks. And I want you to start very small, and then, okay, then I can grow up a bigger weight, and a bigger weight. And I said, well, am I going to get physical therapy after this is over? And she said, no. So what do you mean? She says, well, these exercises I've given you are the same ones that you would do for physical therapy. You're just going to do them with more weight. And so see, if we'll do the little things that we can believe God, he'll prepare us to be able to do the big things when the time comes. All right, so the next thing you need to do is shift your focus from how much you believe to who you believe. How much, not how much. We tend to think, right, I don't, in fact, I've heard people say it, I don't think I have enough faith to do that. I don't think I, I believe God enough to do that. Wrong focus. Because we talked to this earlier. Are we supposed to trust our own faith? Or are we supposed to trust God? Are we supposed to trust our own understanding of what's true? Lean not on your own understanding. Trust God. And so we want to stop thinking about, oh, I don't have enough faith. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, you remember? Let's read it. It says, and the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. We need more faith. And so the Lord said, if you have faith, as a mustard seed. How big is a mustard seed? A little tiny thing. It says, you can say to the mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. A little bit of faith, and there's this, we okay, if we knew this is what God wants to do, God made it very clear, he wants us to throw this tree out of the ground and into the sea. And it really is true, Listen, it really is true, and we choose to trust God. How much faith do we need? Really not much, because God is the powerful one. Not my faith. It isn't magical. Okay, if it's up to me and I can believe it, let me tell you how I'm going to do this. God, I believe. I really believe. I do believe that you are going to give me that 1974 fully restored yellow Corvette. I believe. That's messed up on more than one level. But you see what I'm trying to say? It's not about me. It's about... Here's what's true, and God has said this is true, and it's definitely true. I'm gonna choose to trust him. I don't need very much faith because I serve a powerful God. I serve a faithful God, God who can do this. I just need a little bit of faith. So it's not about how much faith we have. Try to stop with that and start thinking about, I need to focus on God. God is big. God is able. God is loving. God is present. God sees. God knows. Focus on him. So I guarantee if you focus on Anything else, that you're going to struggle to believe. So you want to start shifting this focus. The Apostle Paul uh, warned the people in Corinth about this. He said that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, including your own wisdom, but in the power of God. See, we want to place our faith in God. The next thing is this. Be willing to change your beliefs. Be willing to change your beliefs. I'm just going to tell you the story of Apollos uh, rather than look it up here. Apollos uh, was a, a Jewish man in the time of John the Baptist when he was coming and preaching about that the Messiah was coming. And he responded to God in this message. He was a very eloquent man, very intellectual, and could speak extremely well. And he took that message that he heard, the Messiah is coming, get prepared, he's coming. And he went around the world and began preaching that message. Well, he didn't know that Jesus had actually come. He didn't know that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God who died on the cross. He didn't understand all of that stuff. And he shows up in Corinth, and some of the Christians hear him talking about this, and they have to say, hey, wait a minute. You don't got this right. There's more to this story than you know. And they explain to him what God had done. Well, let me tell you what Apollos didn't do. Apollos didn't go... Oh, so you say, I got it wrong? It's not right? Well, forget that. Now, none of us would do anything like that, would we? But people do that all the time, okay? They think they got the truth, and they think they're trusting God, and, and they're, you know, all of a sudden it isn't working, and rather than deal with what's the fact that I, maybe I misunderstood something, maybe I wasn't quite right, they say, oh, it's all not true. Just forget it all. God must not be real. He's not trustworthy or whatever instead of saying, wait a minute. My default position needs to be that maybe I'm the one. I mean, God hasn't changed. His word is still there, still true. I must have missed something here. You know, that's where we need to start. So let me uh, give an illustration to you. When I said a few weeks back, uh, I used a saying, and, and apparently a lot of people scratched their heads. I didn't realize it was that old of a saying. Uh, But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Okay? Well, what do we mean by that? This comes from a time uh, when they would have a tub of water. They would fill the tub up with the water and put the baby in the tub and wash the baby in the tub. and, And little ones crawl around on the floor and who knows, on the dirt floors, I don't know. But what happens to the water? It gets pretty disgusting sometimes, doesn't it? All right, and so what you would do is you'd take the baby out, dry the baby up, and you'd take the tub and go to the back door and psh, out the door, you throw the water out. Well, we would never think of, leave the baby in the bath, oh, it's a mess, and just throw the baby out, would we? Okay, we make a distinction. I want you to learn to make that distinction. So go ahead, Listen, here's the distinction. That's the baby, that's the bathwater. And what I want you to see is this, what's really true and God being faithful to it is the baby. And the bathwater is my misunderstandings of what's really true or my failures to really trust. That's the bathwater. And so when all of a sudden it, it, this looks really bad and messy, I need to start to sort out and say, wait a minute, okay. So what's really true and what's, what did I miss? What did I believe that wasn't right? Or how did I, I do it in the wrong way? Does that make sense? The default position is for us to look into ourselves and say, okay, we must have missed it somehow. And at that point, we're going to lean into God. We're going to move toward God again. We're going to do, you know, just keep growing in those things. All right. And this brings us, uh, yeah, to the last one. Realize that your faith is imperfect and cooperate with God to purify it. You know, whether you're brand new to the faith and you're over here or you're newly growing in your faith and you're trying to sort all this out, uh, we would expect that our faith isn't perfect here, wouldn't we? But tell you what, when you're way down over here and you've been with God a long time and walking with Him, our faith still isn't perfect. There's still things in the mix that aren't right, that don't belong. This is called sanctification process we're working through here. So how do you cooperate with God in this matter? Well, first, you you get proactive. Be proactive and do all the things we've already talked about today, okay? Get proactive, start doing those things. Second thing that I really wanna challenge you about is to avoid sin. Deal with sin if it's in your life. You know, try not to allow it in. If it's in, get rid of it. Don't let it remain because if you, allow sin to go unconfronted and undealt with it. I'm not talking about the fact you're struggling. We all struggle. But you just let it ride. At some point, it will affect your ability to believe God. Because you'll either say, what's the point, and walk away. Or you say, well, maybe God isn't even real because of how I feel about these things. So you've got to deal with it. Paul said this to Timothy. He says, cling to your faith in Christ. And keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. And as a result, what? Their faith has been shipwrecked. When you know what's wrong and you allow it to continue and you're violating your conscience, you continue to do it at some point, you're not going to be able to believe God the way you need to. Okay? Now, good news. Peter said it this way. Said so there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. And remember, the Bible talks about this whole life is what, a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than just gold. You know how this works when they purify precious metals? They heat them up. And as they heat them up, and it liquefies, and what happens is the the impurities in it are lighter than the metal, and the impurities will come to the surface. And you can see the impurities now, and then you can scrape them off, and then they continue to heat it, and more impurities come off. And so what the Bible is saying here is that God will use all the stuff that happens in life. Remember, he promised he'll work everything, he'll use everything for our good. He'll take all of those things that happen in our lives. This is, is, uh, I think the King James calls us the fiery trials of life. And it's going to heat us up and it's, it's going to bring these faith struggles. And in the faith struggles, what God is going to do is he's going to reveal to us things that aren't really true. There's an impurity here in this. This isn't really accurate. This isn't really the way I work. You're not seeing the truth and telling the truth to yourself about yourself, whatever, right? The impurities come and we can remove them and and our faith grows and grows stronger and grows purer. And so all of these things that are happening in life, as much as we don't like them, as much as unpleasant that they are, if we will do these things we're talking about, move toward God, do the next right thing, you know, be truth, junk, all this kind of stuff, our faith is going to get purified. And... where we're wanting to start today we're answering the question is yes we can do better our faith can grow stronger our faith can grow purer and we want God to give us stronger faith so the hard trials aren't as hard but God says no it doesn't work that way I let you experience these hard trials because it's going to make your faith stronger and it is a good thing it really is Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word that you do tell us how we can grow our faith. And we know, Lord, ultimately, it's not even about us applying some technique or taking some step. But it's about you working our lives and us choosing to surrender to you and cooperate with you in these things. And so I pray, Father, that we will do that. And that you will grow our faith, increase our faith. You're worthy of this, Lord, and and we desire it. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.